Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Supported by thegeldedend.com. To browse and buy vintage lead shirts, player-signed prints, and classic memorabilia, go to thegeldedend.com. The Square Ball. By the fans, for the fans, since 1989. To buy the magazine, read the blog, and to download the podcast, visit thesquareball.net. And on tonight's show, Johnny Howson, Alex Bruce, Billy Painter, and Simon Grayson, all interviewed. No, really, exclusive interviews with real Leeds players and the manager, exclusively. Plus a load of moaning about our midfield from the square ball team. Hello, welcome to the square ball podcast. Uh, hi from me, and this is the sound of Michael Normanton. Hello. Moscow White sounds like this. Hello there. And Oddie's voice. Hello. Uh, first, quick note about the Square Ball magazine. Last batch of issue seven of the magazine is now on sale via the website and versus Doncaster at the stadium. Uh, the paper copy is going to sell out pretty quickly, though, uh, versus Doncaster, so you better get it sooner rather than later. Otherwise, grab yourself the digital version. You can get those via the all-new look website and blog. You can find that at thesquareball.net. And do get in touch with us as well. Email podcast at thesquareball.net. Find us on Facebook and find us on Twitter. Let's get white watching part one. Okay, it's a while since we've had a good inquest on the Square Ball podcast, so let's dissect what happened at Swansea in a minute or two. But other games we've got to cover in this, the draw against Norwich on Saturday the 19th of February, followed by the 3 all uh, game against Barnsley the following Tuesday, of course, as we mentioned, the Swansea game last Saturday. So, eight goals conceded, three games, two points. Go for it. I feel like Dr Quincy. Medicine woman. That's Dr Quinn. <laughs> oh, Dr. Quincy was a, uh, I'm sure he was a, a inquestor. <laughs> <laughs> Is that a real word? No, I can't remember what you call them. Coroner? That's the bunny. <laughs> okay. Anyway, so. With that established, yeah. I mean, things were pretty good against Norwich at the start of this run. Uh, 31,000 sellout at Ellen Road, good atmosphere, decent game. End Very good end. stuff, yeah. Really entertaining game, we should, which we should have won had we put away the chance in the first half. But as we'll come on to, no doubt, in more depth, the defence again showed itself incapable of uh, defending a lead. As you just said, we should have put that one to bed early, shouldn't we? We had loads of chances in that first half, particularly in the first half an hour. Yeah, Becchio and Howson both missed, missed decent ones within, within the first half hour and we should have been two or three up by the time we eventually did score, which we still would have probably uh, not managed to hold on to. But <laughs> That's the, the knowledge of Barnsley coming in there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it feels like three would have beaten Norwich, but then you look at the next game and think... Six, we still probably would have drawn. But the Norwich game was a great game. and um, I mean, Norwich are 
a good team and it like kind of left pretty satisfied that we were at least as good as a team that we came up with who are doing a bit better than us this year. It felt like, yeah, we're, we're, we're in the right place, going in the right direction if we can um, come out with a point after a good game as opposed to just like a scrappy, dour draw. A dour 2-2. A dour 2-2. <laughs> I thought we were a better team all the way through, actually. I thought we played them off the parking parts, but for the defence, which we'll come on to. <laughs> Looming in the corner, yes. the elephant in the room, yeah, the defence. Right. Um, uh, and another shit ref. Oh, We, we do get our fair share. Do you have an identity for this one? I can't remember who it was. Was it just Mr S Hitraf? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah we're getting a, a spate of poor ones at the minute, aren't we? It was his, um, the penalty at the end was the big one for uh, with Painter, wasn't it? Who um, Billy Barndor just doesn't seem doesn't seem fated ever to uh, score a goal. At the time, I didn't notice he had hold of his shirt until I saw it on uh, the Football League show. But yeah, when you when you see it from the angle, they're, they're the camera is a very clear penalty. It was a stonewaller, yeah. wasn't it? Not quite as stonewall as the Swansea one, but... Wild Bill won't dive, though. <laughs> <laughs> uh, quick word for David Sommer. Fantastic. The build-up saw Yaboresque in the uh, sort of little knockdown, the header, the chipping into the edge of the area. It was hit from the same area, and he, he, a different trajectory. It's funny thing about the Yaboa goal is that the, the build-up was just... I think the ball was hoofed in the air to Dorigo, who then hoofed it in the air... To Rod to, Wallace. To Rod Wallace, <laughs> who won probably his only header of the season and it just looped towards Yeboah, who then brought supreme mastery and magic to bear upon the ball and uh, cast a spell to ring fear down the ages. See, I <laughs> just said he smashed it in. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas Sommer just kind of, a similar thing, ball in the air and whacked it. It would have been nice if it had looped in off the crossbar, but... Um, uh, a controlled finish instead of just pure animal physics. <laughs> <laughs> Don't know really where to go from that, but... Uh, animal physics, Barnsley. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a fair point. Quick word, though, for Henry Lansbury, who we were supposed to be sniffing around at one point. Uh, he looked like a good player and acres of space for their goal. We don't need a central midfielder. <laughs> we don't need one who's a bit of a twat. I think Lansbury's good player comes across as a bit of a twat. Don't do the doggy when you scored a goal. Mm. Becchio's dance was a little bit well, that was a bit silly as well I can live with Becchio's dance because it was clearly the dance of a man who doesn't have any ability to dance and recognises it as such just floundering around with his arms in the air whereas Henry Lansbury it was like he was going to get somebody out with a bit of cardboard and some talcum powder it was like you know people crowding around clapping their hands it was a very you know are you, t- are you sort of suggesting he was like some sort of b-boy uh, it was like a bit of a twat. Okay. I, think my I, did enjoy, I actually enjoyed by. Becchio's celebration because I was over in the West End B for this one, which is the first time I've, I've been in there for a game, I think, for a long, long time. How were the mushy peas? Um, I didn't try them. Oh, okay. But it's, it's very strange, number one, having a massive telly to your right. That's a bit <laughs> of a, a strange thing. Also being able to see Subway um, on Ellen Road makes you very hungry. But yeah, Becchio danced right in front of us. So I enjoyed his, his moves to their full effect. We were sucked in by the energy. You think he's tried to replace his celebration, but he hasn't really come up with a new one. That's what the problem was. I, I preferred his chasing the camera shouting one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sort it out, Lucy. Yeah. <laughs> so on to the dog botherers. That's the Barnsley dog botherers, not the Huddersfield ones. Another winless Tuesday at Ellen Road. It was all going so well until Bradley got sent off. I thought you were going to say until the second minute. It was all <laughs> going so well. Well, yeah, that was just one of those things, wasn't it? Early goal, but... Um, you know, we fought back to get in front and then... I'm not sure we can say it's just one of those things. We keep giving teams a goal lead and then ending up drawing against 
South Yorkshire bastards. <laughs> I don't know whether we were tired for that or whether they were just up for it a lot more, but from the off, they seemed they seemed to be first to every ball and whenever we had it, they were closing us down, whereas we were just letting them pour forward. It is a recurring theme. I know we've mentioned many times before and everyone says it about the, the midweek problem. Do you think there's an issue with fitness where they can't play Saturday, Tuesday? They clearly can't. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, physically, I mean, I know yeah, yeah. we seem to struggle under the lights, but I mean, I mean really, is there, is there something... Would we put it down? I mean, we scored three goals. That suggests that the team isn't, you know, completely knackered. I think it's not fitness physically. I think it may be fitness mentally. And I, I wouldn't put that down to tiredness. I'd put it down to stupidity. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Barnsley's goals were fairly thick goals to concede. There wasn't anything particularly artful about them. It was just our defenders switching off or just not knowing mentally where to be when things were happening and I I would put that down to stupidity rather than <laughs> than anything else and maybe they are only stupid on Tuesdays maybe they do maybe they do a lot of puzzles on Tuesday afternoons and like do a, there's like a team ca- Sudoku yeah there's, maybe there's a countdown marathon in the afternoon that all just approach it men- mentally drained out but um, that's my... <laughs> that's your theory yeah, and you're sticking so. to it okay some things to dry out of this game then we got a penalty it's only the second one we've got of the season is that right that's, that's, that's very right. few penalties in fact are we not we're about bottom of the penalties got league and we're about top of the disciplinary league aren't we and it's, we, it's interesting with the lack of penalties because um, well, the way Gradle and Snodgrass have been playing, I was thinking this watching them against Norwich. They keep jinking into the box and then running around with the ball in the box in a very interesting way, but in a way that makes you think they're going to get fouled. But but somehow, even though that seems to be a tactic, we've come out come away with two penalties. It's like the, the Arsenal one; we got it when Gradle came in and, and and went over the defender's leg. But it doesn't happen as often as you would think it. It would. I've got no theories about that one. It's just something I'm pointing out. <laughs> well, we'll talk about penalties awarded and not awarded in a second with the Swansea game. Another point, I guess, further to the point of penalties, referee Mark Clattenburg, supposed Premier League referee, he gave us a penalty, but what, what do you make of the rest of his performance? I don't think it was a penalty, first of all. It's worth mentioning. I know we're complaining about not getting enough, but that wasn't a penalty as far as I could see. The defender was, was kind of shielding the ball, and because Gradle tried to run around the outside and fell over, he, uh, he he gave it. So I think that I think he got that wrong. So I'm never pleased even when we get penalties. <laughs> <laughs> we did pick up a lot of bookings as well in the game for sil- silly little fouls. I think Clattenburg was very poor. I guess that that does lead us into Swansea because it seemed like we were getting booked every five minutes in that game, yeah. dishing out cards left, right, and centre. Phil Dowd, just. Uh, <sighs> I probably I, I, I won't say too much because I'll probably just end up slandering him or libeling him, whichever. I think you can say that he's got a face like shoe leather. That's I think that's all right. He I won't just, sue over that. I described him. Um, I think it might be on Twitter as, as a narcissist. Mm. He strikes you as a bit of a narcissist, doesn't he? Like imagine him watching videos of his own performances on a night instead of match of the day. I think that I think you get that from a lot of referees that they consider themselves to be uh, on the same level as the players in terms of entertainment. So but, away from the referee, obviously. He's, you know, we, we could go on at some length about the referee himself. What about the tactics? I mean, Grayson got it wrong. You've got to say he got it wrong. The four four two. I mean, it's easy to say that with hindsight, but in my opinion, and everybody else seemed to think that the four four two would be a mistake, and he did it. We said it after the whole game that for the first half hour they just ran through a massive gap in the middle of us, and it happened again. But you know, they took advantage of it this time, whereas Hull missed several chances. Well, on the plus side, going forward, have two best wingers in the league probably. We got we go forward in numbers, 
but we haven't got any, anybody there to cover when um, they break away. And because we didn't actually ever have the ball, there was <laughs> yeah. very, there's very little you can do for yeah. uh, for our good attacking players when the ball never reaches them because the central midfield and the defence are busy chasing shadows. I didn't mind that we started four four two because with Johnson being out and if Watt's not fully fit, you know it's worth a worth a go. And a lot of people ask us for to see what would happen if we played Becky and Summer up front. Like people do keep talking about four four two, something we should try. But after half time, there was no way we should have come out in the second half still playing four four two. And when what did come on to then keep it, but move Gradle up front, it was like it was just it was obvious at half time that this had gone wrong. So why we didn't then just get back to what we know works and just get out of the game, even if we'd lost it one nil, um, we may not have had uh, quite the sense of shame. I think it's counterintuitive to take strikers off when you're losing, but well, we did take a striker off. But we then but pushed we then another just player. Put a little yeah. one up. That's the thing. Anyway, to, to take people out of uh, out of position up front when you when you're chasing games seems somehow wrong. But when it was going as badly as it was, as I said, there's no point. You can have six men up front, but if yeah. the ball never gets to them, there's if very little at, point in them being there. Look at how many times we've chased games this season, and we've always got back into them playing four five one. Well, the summer tends to come on. Sometimes we change it and go four four two with summer coming on. But it's a different, it's a very different situation than when you're getting completely spanked. Well, that was it, and I don't see that chasing it with four four two was going to work because, like you said, we just didn't have the ball at any point. So the first thing we needed to do was find a way of having the ball, and maybe three people around the centre circle would have given us that. There's been a lot of wailing and gnashing of teeth in the aftermath of this game because it showed our deficiencies massively you know they spoke ahead of the game of bringing a player in didn't happen it's like how long do we leave it and, and this is it's now becoming a problem we've known it's a problem for a long time since league one days it might have made a difference if Grayson and, and Ken hadn't spent the days in, in advance saying oh well, Johnson's out we'll bring somebody in and then not bringing somebody in if he'd spent the, the week in advance saying Johnson's out we're really going to be stretched in midfield on Saturday so I might have to change things around and see what we can do. Maybe people wouldn't wouldn't have been so cross, but we were all waiting, clock was ticking, Thursday goes by, Friday goes by, who's going to play in midfield? And it turns out, oh, nobody, we're going to stick somewhere up front and give that a go. And it's frustrating that, as Dan said, it's been a problem for two years now, and our answers until this point have been Doyle <coughs> on loan and Fai, who hadn't even been playing, and we, we've just gone, oh, he was good a few years ago, we'll give him a go. And Grayson obviously we persevered with him, thinking it's the type of player I need. So gave him games to see if he could get fit, and he couldn't, so we released him. But as it is, we've got loads of wide players. Who, it's nice to have the options there with people like Sam and uh, and what. But if you need someone to just hold the ball in midfield and who can make a tackle, we don't have anyone at the moment. Plus, it's taken Johnson to be suspended to realise we need to bring somebody else in. That's well, Mike, that's ex- well, the, as well. The post mm. I made on the blog was exactly about that. It's yeah. like, why are we always going for the last ditch option? Mm. You know, why not be proactive, not reactive? And then we won't find ourselves in these positions. No, I think we'll come on to that in a bit when we're talking about what Bates has said about transfers. Where he said we were in for the three players we wanted and we agreed with couldn't come because their clubs wanted them. Well, why didn't we get them a month ago before we desperately needed them? It seems like we think like this Barry Bannon fellow or Michael Johnson. Surely they're better than Bradley Johnson. So if we brought them in a month ago and dropped Bradley, it's not that big a deal. You know, we haven't gained anything from having an extra month of Bradley Johnson. We could have had a, an as good player on loan. Um, instead of leaving it till now when we really needed one and didn't have one. And it also make, it also time is making Ross McCormack look weirder because that's £300,000 sitting on the bench not really doing anything. But Is this a byproduct of the fact that we've stumbled upon this 4-5-1 as an effective formation and 
we can't accommodate the sheer volume of strikers and forward players that we've got. Well, unless we were going to play four-two-four before the four-five-one turned out to be good, then we were already a bit overloaded. But yes, I think. But then again, we were looking so good at four-five-one. I mean, we've said McCormack. We've seen him try to play McCormack in the Johnny Housen role in a four-five-one, the attacking midfield thing. So why don't we do that and give Big Boots McCormack a game that we spent money on instead of? I suppose it's because Summers in form, but. The formation works. I think one of the major failings of the four four two, as it worked as well, is having Kilkenny in a position where he has to actually run and chase people. Because there were several times, particularly during the first half, I noticed I, I was sure he'd get to the ball first. You're just willing him to move his legs a little bit faster. But and he's he's really good. At probably the best best player we've got at just picking the ball off off a defender and picking a pass and pointing at people, showing him where to go. But when, he, when the other midfield is running at us, he's just absolutely useless. He can't tackle, he can't run, he can't head, he can't shoot. He's, <laughs> he's just a little passing machine. <laughs> one, one good thing about the um, hardball with Johnson's contract and the just absolute silence about Kilkenny's is there may be a plan for the summer that those two are leaving and we've got players lined up that we yeah. think we can definitely get. I thought this, but... That, that could then impact on us getting somebody now who's but just like, to well, jump in on that point, yeah, yeah, on that point, would they not perhaps seek to get them in in the January window knowing that's going to happen or are we looking at people no doubt who are out of contract? Well, probably the latter and also um, there's the January window premium, like, you know, the Andy Carroll 35 million yeah. when he cost nothing in the summer. So it's easier... People always say it's easier to do your business in the summer, so it could be that. So that's the one hopeful thing is that we're just making do with uh, Bradley and Neil until we can ship them out and get some proper midfielders. Because I remember being in here when we went second and saying that we would all still be still happy to finish sort of sixth and get into the playoffs. And I think it might have been me pointed out that that means we're going to lose at least some games between now and then, or we may lose some quite badly and now we've just lost one quite badly and it does seem a lot of people have lost their shit completely <laughs> and aren't, aren't sort of being able to back it up at that point and just go I mean the thing with Swansea is that has to be said as well is they're bloody good they're a really good footballing team and I think the way that they completely did us over was a bit too much but I wasn't surprised that, that they won 3-0 I, w- I, I wouldn't have minded a 3-0 win with a bit more leads involved, but they are really good. And it does maybe show that we just aren't good enough to be in the top two places. Whether we could have been by spending some money in January is is another point, but we maybe have to just be brave. Now, you make a fair point. I mean, it's quick word on the penalty. Um, would you think that would have changed the game? Or I mean, it's hard to say, isn't it? We're not... We're not um... We'd have lost 3-1. Yeah. <laughs> um, awful decision from all concerned. How that's not given, we have no idea. That's all being said. Would it have changed the game, do you think? It had changed the game, it would, we'd have got a goal. But, <laughs> and going in half-time, one all possibly, coming out of the second half. You may have taken the edge off of Simon Grayson's half-time team talk, but judging by the way that came out second half, it's it probably quite one. mild anyway. <laughs> yeah. So It's just another annoying, two penalties for the season, it's not enough. Um, let's have one a game from now on, please. <laughs> Let's start part two then with our usual roundup of the ins and outs, loans, try lists, um, so on and so forth. Quick update on Eric Lehigh. Happy? Until Swans. <laughs> yeah. Still happier than them with McCartney, but you know. Until Barnsley, really. I think he got caught out a few times. Caught Leeds United-itis, basically. Yes. Yeah. Good first uh, game. It looks better going forward than he does defending. Yeah. A bit like 
the whole team. team. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so he'll fit in perfectly, right? Um, Mike Greller gone in, on out on loan to Swindon. Poor sausage. Yeah. Leeds All Boys Club at Swindon. See how he does. Um, all right, let's talk about the trialists, loanees. Well, all of which we don't really know much about at the minute, to be perfectly honest. Um, first things first, Michael Stewart. Um, we, we said on the last podcast that you said he was rubbish and we were getting rid of him in Moscow. Um, I, in preparation of the notes for this particular podcast, I put Michael Stewart trial extended just after Moscow wrote him off in the last podcast. Mm-hmm. However, I was then able to, uh, to go into our shared document myself and write... Michael Stewart trial ended today. Moscow White right yet again. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, he's gone. So the the psychopath, I knew he was rubbish. Yeah, the psychopath from Scotland will not be coming in. Talk of of Michael Johnson persists. Oh, I've not heard. Um, <laughs> there's nothing we can really add to this other than let's hope he shows up at some point. Maybe we do have a little bit to add to it with Bates's comments about us not signing anybody that's going to take four or five games to get ready. And some people have interpreted that as like that means no to Johnson anymore because. Or is that suggesting? Well, is this fit. not part of the reason why Man City have kept him back to get him more match ready? Or you know, he ain't played. Fair enough. So no, Michael Johnson then. <laughs> Barry Bannon. I, I know little or nothing about this man. Really, his name is fantastic. I really like his name. I saw him <laughs> play for Villa earlier in the season. It looked it looked fairly good, and that was in the Premiership. He's not the experienced hard man. <laughs> hard bastard we're after. I don't think, but you know, at least he is a central midfielder. He, he looked like he was able to run. Could he tackle? I think he tried. It'd be appreciated, wouldn't it? Um, and Would fi- we ever be able to just call him Bannon? Because it's got to be Barry Bannon every time. <laughs> Give him the number 11 shirt. Number 11, Barry Bannon. <laughs> Barry Bannon wears 11, Barry Bannon's Leeds United. Um, <laughs> Barry Bannon sells she shells on the seashore. Which leads me nicely, number 11 shirt, into the next person mentioned on our sheet, which is Lee Bowyer. The internet murmurings about him, which have grown out of the fact that A, he's a former player, and B, he's out of contract at the end of the season. C, he had a good game on telly at the weekend. Yeah, so do we want him at all? No. Moscow, no. You, we all feel quite strongly about it. <laughs> strongly about it. I just think, well, yeah, I suppose it do. Um, there are other players available. Come on. we can. Yeah. Nobody's got any imagination anymore. It's like... It's like firing up football manager and then just buying all your favourite ex-Leeds players to build a dream team. It doesn't work in real life, especially not when they're horrible rats, <laughs> shall we say. <laughs> you, well, you said that. We'll leave that one. I said that. No time for I mean, apart from the whole Mill Hill business, there's then the refusal to sign a contract, say paying the fine, then saying you won't want to transfer in the summer, then going to Liverpool and then not going to Liverpool and stamping on a Malaga player, and then coming back to Leeds and getting booed, and then just... Um, what we're saying is, let it be. Yeah, and also, as well, I mean, it immediately gets everybody's backs up because everybody starts arguing about everything he ever did here again, so it's just, it's not really worth the bother. It's like the Smith rumours that surface every now and again. You just, it's never, it's just, you're just harking back to a time when... We're also we overlooking... Were right. yeah. <laughs> we're also overlooking the fact that this has come to light because, as we said, he played well in the cup final which suggests he's still quite a good player which suggests he can still play in the premiership so he'll still get a decent wage and therefore will not be wanting to come to us there's no way we could afford him <laughs> exactly opening shot fair enough speaking of which that segues nicely into uh, Ken Bates talking about transfers this one hot off the off the wires off the press wires uh, today on the uh, the club's official site a response to critics that the club's not gone out and bought somebody or, or got somebody in on loan it's a it's a bizarre thing to say. I mean, if if you haven't read this, I'm sure you have. If you're listening to this by now, you will have uh, you will have read what Ken said. But we're not signing a player now that could hamstring the manager's budget for next season. It doesn't suggest there's a lot of money in the chest. That's one. I would just stand to take as you read it. Read it. Out. Um, 
Someone has suggested that we're not signing players because of Ken Bates' wage policy. Who again? <laughs> always, always nice to, to hear somebody referring to themselves in the third person. David um, O'Leary doesn't make etc. Yeah. Um, if we get promoted, players will have their wages reviewed, but we're not making long-term policy decisions based on future performance. What? Hold on, hold the phone. We're not making long-term policy decisions based on future performance. What are we making long-term policy decisions based on? The past? <laughs> Magic? The here we're and make, now, the here and now. We're, make, yeah, we're making long-term policy decisions based on what they did in training this morning. Surely it's inherent in a long-term policy decision that is made about, around, involving, trying to, to predict sensibly future performance. But we're not making any decisions about that because that's the only limit Ken Bates' wage policy is applying, he says. For the future. We're not making long-term policy decisions based on the future. For the future. The thing that I drew from it was, and obviously this is me very much distilling a long quote down into two sound bites, but he basically said, we're only going after Premier League players. And then further down in the same missive, he said, but we're not going to be paying Premier League wages, essentially. So how does that stack up? Then it, it all makes sense why we haven't managed to sign a player yet. We're getting the likes of Andy O'Brien, who were running out of contracts at Premier League clubs towards the end of their careers. Who will take a cut in wages to stay in the job? I mean, saying Premier League players is one thing, but I'm not sure that there's that much to be gained from seeing a, a player from say from signing a player from like Blackpool reserves, as Keith Southern has been linked to buying one from a first team in Division Two, maybe or Division what they call League it now. One now, League One <laughs> in um, 2011. There's probably just as much potentially buying somebody cheap from from there. It's, it's, I'm, I'm not pleased to hear that we're only looking in the Premier League for players. If we look, because we will be having to look for reserve players, and if we can get like a, a grade or out of there, like we got out of Leicester reserves, it's fine. But I mean, he's, he's hinting that he doesn't want to make decisions based on future performance that perhaps we can't quantify. How can you really buy a player from a Premier League reserve team? with any confidence, whereas if somebody's just played 30 games for Notts County, for example, and done really well, then we can then there's something there that you can you can base this long-term policy decision on. And they probably won't want a Premier League wage as well. It's, that's where the fact that we're Leeds United can be brought to bear and people are just, you know, the tongue hangs out and they look at the Thorpe Arch, even though it may be deteriorating, <laughs> and, then, and they're pleased to come and they'll, they'll sign for, for cheap, which, which Ken likes. Because he doesn't want to hamstring the manager's budget. So we can we can fix it for you, Ken. Just stop looking in the Premier League reserves for players we can't afford. Start getting the scouting going, looking for players that we can afford, that we can have some confidence in and buy them. And the future. A point, brought, the future. Up, yeah, a point <laughs> brought up by Jim O on the blog um, mentions, obviously, the obvious stuff about needing backbone in the field. But he says, every player that comes in, either on loan or is bought, is immediately put under enormous pressure to solve our failings. No wonder we're having problems drafting in new recruits. Is there any sense in that? I don't think, I don't think players would look at it particularly and think, well, I don't want that. I don't want them thinking I'm going to be good. <laughs> Because if you if, if, you're a fo- if you're a footballer <laughs> if you're a footballer thinking that though the chances are you're going to be crap regardless if you can't handle a bit of pressure I would agree with that they should grow a pair if, that, if that's the way they feel about it or go back to Luton yes he's trying to please everyone with that statement saying we're looking at Premier League players but then <gasps> exciting oh yeah oh, oh, oh these people oh maybe we're going to sign Boyer again mm-hmm. and he's saying oh but but I'm still sensible I'm not Risdale good businessman. Yeah. I won't. I won't make ridiculous spends on the future performance of hotels. Yes, that's very. That I not even bloody. Yeah, long-term policy decisions based on future performance of hotels and conference, conference <laughs> facilities don't seem to be a problem. But long-term policy decisions based on the future performance of footballers, we're not doing it. Well, it's interesting that these these sort of carrots have only said three players were verging on signing 
it's all around the time of the season ticket renewals going in. So let's let's move on to that. They've released details today. The club are saying ten and a half thousand renewals by the early renewal deadline. That sounds like a lot to me, Dan. That's a big number. It is a lot, isn't it? But it's not a lot in the context of the size of our support. What is noticeable is that they were saying it was they were overwhelmed by the demand, which is a little bit confusing, given that they've said that last season's figure was just in excess of 13,000. Now, that's a 20% drop in season ticket holders. OK, we're still only at the early renewal stage, but... It's more surprising given the, the penalties for not renewing earlier are so huge as well. You would think that more or less everybody would have renewed. You've got to imagine that between this early renewal cut off and the next cut off and then them stopping selling them at all for the summer nobody's going to buy one they'll be lucky to sell two now because <laughs> if you're not if you weren't going to buy at that ultra cheap price i don't see why it's only you say, down ultra, there, you say ultra, ultra cheap it was, it was <laughs> 516 pounds jim o again uh, posted on the, the blog about um in putting the price up to 516 then uh, then bates went on to explain i was getting a fantastic bargain because the usual price should be 582 so in essence, my increase was not an increase, it was a decrease. I've never had it so good. <laughs> just, a, just a very basic bit of maths as well. Let's look at it from the angle that we've dropped 20% of our season ticket holders. Prices have gone up by about, what, is it 11 to 13% in that sort of ballpark on average? So let's say we pick up a few more, we stay in this division, we pick up a few more season ticket holders maybe, but as you say, it's not going to be a, a, a huge number now, if we, particularly if we stay down. So the... So let's say 11% increase is not going to offset the loss of 15, 16, 17, maybe 18% of the season ticket holders. So season ticket revenues will drop. That's what we said when the, the prices were announced, was that the, the price that's just finished was culpable with, but that the price for a new purchaser is just borderline robbery. Um, I don't know who is going to buy one new, who's going to roll in off the street and think, yeah, that sounds like a good a good deal. The only way it's going to happen is if we get promoted. Yeah, that's because those prices won't apply. They'll be, well, no, they'll be increased, but demand yeah. demand will go up yeah, inevitably yeah. if we get promoted. Yeah, but it felt lucky in January as we were riding high, getting to second in the, pushing for the automatic places that people saw that oh, might be a chance of uh, promotion to Premier League. I think the thing of this this policy. Sorry, just to go back to a conversation we've had previously on the podcast about season ticket renewals. Once you've got your season ticket renewals and you, that money's safe, it's in, yeah. you know, and you can bank on those supporters being there week in, week out. Mm. If we perhaps don't start off the season too well next year, we've shown in over the course of the last five, six years that Ken Bates has been in charge that we've got the capability of fluctuating by a good 10, 12,000 and it will put the whole business model into jeopardy if we don't start off relatively well because the less glamorous games with the match day ticket prices will just be a half-empty stadium, which puts mm. us below the break-even point. It just seems like madness to not you know, to not price the season tickets at a more attractive level. And then you've got that money banked. And leaving to one side the, for a minute the business and um, break-even and, and um, financial side of it, if we had 13,000 uh, season tickets renewals last season, 10,500 this season, that's 2,500 people who went to every game this year who either aren't going next year or really aren't sure. Or we'll pick and choose. Two and a half thousand yeah. people, that's a small town worth of Leeds fans who've just actually just gone, either can't afford it, well, that's got to be the only reason, can't afford it. Can't justify it. But this yeah, is the yeah. thing, if you miss a couple of games, it's getting to the point where there's no point in getting one. You might as well just pick mm. and choose your games. I suspect the end number of people who take up season tickets will be fairly similar to this year. So the club will view it as, even if it's you know a thousand less, 
they'll look at it as their percentages add up. Well, we've got more. We're earning slightly more money from season tickets than last year. Therefore, this is a success. But it's not because if there's if there's not if you're not increasing it when the team's performing better than it has for years, then something's going wrong. People should want to come when you when the team is doing better. If, the if, that's, if that isn't happening, then the business model isn't going to work long term. All right, then let's uh, continue to talk about price rises. LUTV, they've just announced, is going up from £40 to £52 for the season. It's only a pound a week, gentlemen. I won't be renewing. Terrific. I don't subscribe anyway, so <laughs> it doesn't make much difference to me. But um, but that's a huge rise. I'm going to slightly defend Bates on this, saying that there hasn't been a rise in it for a few years, apparently. So maybe maybe it's more justified. It hasn't got any better for a few years, though, either. And as a subscriber, it's poor. I'm putting my neck out there. It's it's just about been worth £40. Um, although I wasn't actually planning to renew last summer, but they took the money from my credit card and then sent me an email to tell me I'd renewed. <laughs> so I was, well, I'm in it now. And I've needed it because I write the season-by-season season articles for the square ball. So the, um, the old highlights matches, I watched every game of our Premier League relegation a couple of weekends <laughs> ago. So I think I got my £40 worth of value. But for the, the highlights of the current games... The screen's tiny. It's like 640. It's like YouTube on its smallest setting, but jerky. Like with none of the there's, the the picture isn't clear, the picture isn't smooth, the picture isn't worth 52 pounds a year, frankly. And um, and the email that they sent out explained lots of new things that they're going to show. They're going to show full 90 minutes of all the away games, and they're going to have academy games um, shown all the time. They're going to have more opportunities, hopefully, if you're abroad to to do pay per view. No mention of it actually being any better, though. There's going to be more of it, still just as bad, for £52 a year. So um, I will be cancelling my subscription. Sorry, you best cancel it quick we'll before I take the money I need to find the day. again. One thing I do object to is the, the fact they've claimed it's a pound a week because you can make everything seem cheaper by spreading it out <laughs> across across a long period of time. You can say, just, just £2 a day, this. We're much better when we've got something to moan about, aren't we? <laughs> I'm I'm not as annoyed about this because I think it is a similar price to the like. You of... haven't seen it. <laughs> I mean, there's no reason for me to subscribe. I've seen this on the forum today that you know if you go, I've got a season ticket, so I don't listen to any of the games on it. I live in Yorkshire and have a DAB radio, so if I don't go to an away game, I can just listen to it on that. So I am actually amazed that considering considering what it is useful for, is if you are abroad, I, I imagine that the the Yorkshire radio commentary that you get is is a lifeline, and I would say to you who rely on it is I'm amazed that you're only spending £52 because that's I would have thought that's the one thing that the club could really milk is um, overseas fans who have absolutely no other way of listening to a game On to something else then let's get all our money out of the way in one go more fixture changes and, and the QPR game the last game of the season uh, it's some you know 11 weeks off but uh, the Football League in consultation with their friends at the BBC and Sky have moved it with um, their broadcasting partners I think you'll find it says on this we decided to contact the Football League and ask them for a bit of clarification as to exactly why they'd done this was it specifically for TV and had they consulted all the clubs because there's a point in here that they did it straight after all the cheap train tickets became available so everyone's bought travel for it there are one size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on same goes for healthcare that's why united healthcare offers flexible budget-friendly coverage for medical vision dental and more learn more at uh1.com 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. People from abroad will be flying in, got flights and so on and so forth, pointed this out to them, asked for their, their comments, and uh, we did receive a response. It says... Following consultation with clubs and the league's broadcasting partners, Sky Sports and BBC Sport, all championship matches have been moved forward to Saturday 7th of May 2011 with a 12.45pm kickoff. Can I just pause there for a second? We knew this anyway. That's what we were complaining about. Yes. Right, so continue. Wherever possible, the league tries to keep fixed changes to a minimum. Huh! <laughs> In this particular case, notice of the decision has been given 11 weeks before the matches will take place. This is significantly longer than the six weeks minimum period usually adhered to by the league for a televised fixture change. Well, that's all right then, because they've stayed within their own fucking rules that they've made up. (laughs) Oh, well done. (laughs) Noble effort there, Football League. Games perhaps need to be moved. That's all right, but do them long enough in advance so people can make fucking arrangements. Especially the last game of the season, where all the games are coordinated to kick off at the same time. Exactly. This isn't one game moving moving for TV to make it a, an evening kickoff. This is a ho- the whole last day of the season they've changed. And it looked already like it had been moved. When I saw the fixtures came out, and the last day's fixtures were all Sunday, 3pm. Not Saturday, 3pm. So, oh, well, that's obviously... That's, it, that's why they move it, because they can't show Saturday, 3pm games, so they always move it. Yes, yeah, so there exactly. it is on Sunday. So it had so, been moved for TV. So I assume, yeah, that that would already have happened. But then lots of people, I think, felt the same and have, have booked all their... And it's not just Leeds fans. We were talking about 24 clubs' worth of su- football supporters who booked hotels, trains... Aeroplanes. Breakfasts, <laughs> aeroplanes, um, around... <laughs> What they thought was a, a casting stone already considered for television. I mean, did, did they just decide 11 weeks before the fixture, oh, actually, maybe we'll show some of the games on the last day? They, they must have known on the first there day. There might be a bit of interest in that, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, we'll put, oh, we'll put the playoffs on as well, why not? They could. <laughs> <laughs> What's that final that we have at, at the end of each season? It's at Wembley. They Fucking could've... idiots! I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing that just don't see they've done anything wrong, do they? No, they just, just like... gone. Well, we've we've done it within you know we 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 any within within six weeks is fine because it says on our rules which which, <laughs> which I wrote. So uh, yeah, if you've booked a train, you can just you know change it in other unrelated news the Sheffield game has been moved to a 1pm kickoff. police this time though isn't it I mean that's more acceptable that's within a couple of hours on the same day it's Yorkshire Derby so everyone probably thought oh that's fine that could still be moved for Sky though yeah oh god yeah yeah. Sky when it played at 9pm on a Friday night yeah it's done (laughs) 
on the moon. <laughs> Probably more atmosphere than Sheffield. At least we're not Sheffield. In all this moaning, we could be Sheffield United. Yeah. That's true. That's true. Uh, on to positive news then. Quick one on this one. We've finally got a new academy boss, which is great news. First point is to have a look at the Squareball blog on the squareball.net and uh, read Joe Mewis's post about that. He sort of knows much more about the, the junior setup and the academy than we do. Had anybody ever heard of him? Chris nope. Sully? He used to be a footballer, apparently. I was looking on his website, which um, has some pictures of him with immaculate hair. His website? Oh, yes. Do, do many youth coaches have their own website? ChrisSully.com. You can see pictures of him uh, luxuriating in his garden, reading reading some pamphlets. There's, there's some articles on there in Latin, which I presume is down to a, a non-finished template as yeah. opposed to uh, him being <laughs> a, a bit pretentious. <laughs> Um, but yeah, going for jobs in Italy then yeah. he's kind of going through his CV and some of the stuff on there I wouldn't maybe have mentioned uh, one of the things he, he worked with David Lucas our David Lucas yeah that one short goalkeeper fame yeah. well actually no to his credit if he managed to turn David Lucas into a goalkeeper fair play we're talking about a talented man yeah and then uh, he was at Bolton for a while and during an 8 year spell players such as Kevin Noland Nicky Hunt, Ricardo Vazte, Joey O'Brien, Chris Basham, and many others who were making their living playing in the lower leagues were produced. Which seemed an odd way to phrase it. Um, and also he created an international academy at Bolton, which gave young footballers to taste the Bolton Wanderers philosophy around the world. Oh, the kids from Barcelona coming in yeah. to see him Bolton. All oh, right, yeah, so get, get fucking stuck in. That's what we're saying, is it? No, no fannying. <laughs> If anybody wants to see the Bolton philosophy and look at um, Big Sam Allardyce on Twitter, um, I don't know, it's during the Stoke game at the weekend, he was talking about um, long balls, calling them angel passes because they come from the sky. <laughs> <laughs> That's the fake Sam Allardyce Twitter account, yeah. Yes, it is. No, I mean, let's not, let's not write him off too soon. I mean, it, for a start, it's good that we have someone yeah. Yeah. rather than just letting it. I think, for the record, we should say we weren't trying to write him off at all. No, no, I just found some a few amusing bits on his website saying he's produced loads of players who are making a living in the lower leagues. He's trying to write himself off there, I think. More or less, yeah. <laughs> and we have got we've got the quote from him about himself um, entering the job scene, but he's since he last worked in Bolton, he's uh, yes, he's got Bolton out of his system by doing a ten month study on youth development programs as a consultant, going around Europe looking at clubs like Barcelona, Bayern Munich, Ajax. Clubs that have been on the cutting edge of developing players so feel well-placed in getting leads back on the road. Sort of obvious choices, but, this, you know, I'm sure they know what they're doing. This study is done, does that mean he's been out of work for the last ten months? Are you, <laughs> are you suggesting that he told the doll that he was doing a, a, a ten-month youth development study, just bought an Interrail ticket and went off on a, a busman's holiday? <clears throat> I'm not saying that at all. The Squareball Podcast, supported by thegeldedend.com. On to part three now, we caught up with the Leeds United first team, or several members of, up at the White Rose Centre, didn't we, Michael? We had a lovely day out amongst throngs of children and happy adults. Yeah, I had to push a few kids out of the way, but (laughs) didn't bother me. And we spoke to uh, Johnny Howson, Alex Bruce, Billy Painter. You'll hear from all of those in, in a minute or two. You did anyway. I just stood at the side taking pictures like a pervert. <laughs> <laughs> got some got some really good pictures, actually. What I will, was going to say was we are going to hear an exclusive interview with Simon Grayson. This is actually like proper journalism. Stuff, isn't it's it? like journalism, we, yeah. We've interviewed Leeds United players and now we're going to hear the results. But a quick note on, on the photos. My favourite couple of photos that you took up at the White Rose Centre... Uh, the one of Luciano Becchio clutching a pack of steak, which was good. Lovely. Where else can you get things like that? It's a beautiful image. Was, as soon as I found out that had been taken, I demanded it be emailed to me, and I, I wasn't disappointed. That has wallpaper. And also there were interesting photo opportunities of Alex Bruce clutching a pack of chicken, for example. And Lovely, yeah. 
one of Neil Kilkenny doing a face that I, I don't know where it's come from, to be perfectly honest. But um, oh, one, before we do get onto it, Neil Kilkenny absolutely stacked. He's got biceps the size of my thighs. They're massive. Yeah, he looks quite short and dumpy on the field, but he's actually very well built. That's and dumpy. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Not very tall, but there you go. Yeah, so we'll hear the clip from uh, from Johnny Howson first. This is what uh, he had to say when I uh, spoke to him and asked him a few questions. I'm just wondering, Johnny, uh, what do you think this team needs to do to get onto the next level then and achieve promotion? Uh, I think we just need to keep going the way we are, you know. We've obviously had a very good season. We're in around um, playoff spots and the uh, automatic promotion, but I think if we just keep doing what we're doing, keep working hard, who knows what can happen. Uh, what do you think we need to do in terms of uh, not conceding as many goals? Is that a team effort? You know, what do you need to work on, do you think? Yeah, it is a team effort, you know. You, you start from defending from the front, then obviously all the way down That's to it. the back, lads. So it is a team effort, you know. But I think the way we play, you know, we like to go forward. But, you know, at times maybe um, if we can just see the situation. But, you know, there's a lot of young lads in the team and maybe sometimes it's just knowing how to win games but I think um, we've always got a belief that um, we can win games and while we're scoring goals you know we've got a chance Do you think it's something that's going to come with experience as the team grows together? Possibly so you know we have got a few experienced lads in the side but yeah I think at the minute it's maybe just that the way it is going you know we had uh, two clean sheets on the bounce and nothing was mentioned then so I think it's due to obviously when we do concede it's normally two or three so rather than the odd one each game but as I said it's a team effort and um, it's something we obviously if we can cut that out a little bit um, who knows what can happen Do you feel an extra sense of responsibility being a local lad and the team captain? Um, no more than any, anyone else really you know obviously you know supporting supporting the team they realise what, what it means and that but yeah I wouldn't say any more responsibility you know this, as I say similar sort of thing to the defence there's 10 other players out there and it's a team game and each takes their own responsibility and I think that's the way it should be How do you think the players cope with the expectation of playing for a club like Leeds where expectation is massive do you think they struggled perhaps a little bit last season and maybe a little bit in the early part of this season uh, Possibly so I think whoever signs for this club no matter where they've come from they've obviously heard of the club and the fan support and the expectations but I think the main thing on that is you know as a professional footballer you should have your own expectation levels and should want to do the very best you can and if, if, if you're giving the best you can then no one can ask any more of you and how do you think the team will cope this time if we end up back at Wembley versus the last couple of times we've been well you know if it was a case of going to the playoffs it's, it's a lot lottery no matter um, when it is so if that was the case, um, we'd obviously give it its best shot, as we always have done, and hopefully that bit of luck might change around. So that's what Johnny had to say. Sounds like organised chaos. Yes, it was rather, yeah. There were far more people turned up than I think that Sainsbury's were, uh, were expecting, so there were people flocking around him. I think there were a good 5,000 people surrounding us as we, we spoke, then we had a, a very small window of opportunity. It was like the Beatles had turned up. But uh, in terms of what he said... I mean, obviously, there were quite a lot of football cliches in there, but they reckon they'll be all right. They'll give it their best shot. Yeah, there was a lot of just carry on the way we are. Team effort. Team effort <laughs> seemed to be a big, big thing, which is all right from your captain, as long as he's spreading responsibility around. And the team's behind him doing what they should do. I think the defending from the front bit's fine, but try it at the back as well. <laughs> <laughs> just just give it, a, give it a whirl. See how we get on with it. 200% effort, that's what it needs. Why not, why not a million? 
So from speaking to Johnny House and by the, the front doors of, uh, of Sainsbury's, and we were literally just studied a crowd by the front door, weren't we? Was he like the, the greeter? Almost, yes. Not Singing, not... singing about his heavy-duty black bin bags. <laughs> yeah, not far off. Well, yeah, we then went over to uh, to the customer service desk, which was slightly bizarre to see Alex Bruce behind there. And he was, he was clutching a packet of chicken as we arrived. This is a, a point about the pictures that I, I like, that they're all, they were all wearing Sainsbury's name tags, including this, my favourite was obviously Sainsbury's Luciano. <laughs> That's got to get on eBay. I want, why didn't you nick Luciano's name tag for me? I'll make a point of it next time we're in a supermarket with football. It won't be a next time. Yeah. So we went over to the customer service desk. Um, Alex Bruce was behind there. I desperately wanted him to get on the uh, on the PA system and do a bing bong. Like, I'll check out operators, the checkouts or something like that. But it wasn't to be. But this is what he had to say. No, so we're here with Alex Bruce, uh, the White Rose Centre. We just wanted to know the, the burning question on everybody's lips. Why do you keep throwing up? Because <laughs> I'm not eating the right things, apparently. No, um, I don't know. I think it's just a bit of anxiety and... Going into a hot dressing room, that into the cold again, it stops me a little bit sick, but uh, everyone keeps to uh, seems to be keep jumping on it, asking the same question, but uh, to be quite honest with you, I don't know what it is, it's just, I might be a little bit weird or something probably. <laughs> just the way you deal with it? Just, yeah, exactly. So have you come uh, found coping with the expectation of playing for a club like Leeds? I think you've got to enjoy it. I think uh, if you go out with a fear, then you're not going to perform to the best of your ability. I think you've become a footballer for a reason, and uh, you want to be... Uh, playing for the big crowds for a, a team like Leeds United and because I'm here I'm, I'm enjoying it and I want to keep it going Do you think the team was playing with a little bit of fear in the early part of the season? It seemed to have shed that fear I mean what's different? I don't know if it was fear I think it's more of a fact that it was a gelling process you know there was a lot of new players coming in everyone wanted to uh, get in the team and, and play well but it, t- it takes time to develop partnerships and what have you and get used to playing with one another and I think in the latter stages of the season we've proved that do you think that was the $64,000 question, why are we conceding so many goals as well? Is it, is it a case of gelling and getting used to each other? Uh, I don't know if it's a case of gelling. I just think it's a case that we're an attacking team. We throw everyone forward to try and score goals and sometimes we leave ourselves a little bit open. But everyone's going to obviously jump on negatives. It's part and parcel of uh, playing for a club like Leeds. But if we can stop conceding goals and uh, keep as many clean shoots as we can between now and the end of the season, it'll be great. What's the dressing room like in terms of confidence going into the playoffs? Because Leeds have been traditionally flaky with playoffs and finals. We've always got to be confident, you know. With, with this fan base like we've got behind us, we can uh, go into any competition uh, with a 12th man. And hopefully, if we do get in the playoffs, uh, we can have that extra little bit, bit of a bonus by having the support that we do have and, and kick on. And if we can get to Wembley and, and, and get a good result, then that'd be great. So that was Alex Bruce. That's what he had to say. He's, he's chucking up because of nerves, heat, food. We don't know quite why. I liked it. I liked that he got in a reference because he were down there for kids for kids for food and eating properly for sport. And his answer is, "I'm eating the wrong things." Very, very good. On on point. Yes, he's he had his talking points there. I have to um, pull him up on something though. I know we mentioned Johnny's footballer cliches. I think Alex um, and my best regards to your father, by the way. But we got <laughs> um, caught in a bit of. Uh, is it when we, he said that the early part of the season struggles were perhaps about the new players all gelling. And then when, when you asked why we were maybe conceding so many goals, he said, well, it's not really about gelling. <laughs> so gelling issue, non-issue. Maybe that can be our debate for the next podcast. Gelling and vomit. That's what we've learned from Alex. <laughs> the intricacies of gelling and vomit. But he seems all right coping with the expectation of playing. It's something I did ask. He know, seems I, nervous as hell. He's sick before every time he kicks a ball. <laughs> but I, I, did, I did ask you know, the players that we spoke to. Why he was sick? No. <laughs> if it freaked them out that no, he was just about the expectation. Sick. The if they were disgusted to be in the dressing room <laughs> with him while he was... Cause they what know, is he eating before a game that makes him sick? Yeah, I don't know. Did they ever, yeah, that's what we should, you should have asked. Not him. A did, they ever, did they ever watch him at the pre-match meal and he was singing, oh, God, I'm going to have to see that coming, <laughs> coming up later. <laughs> 
I don't want to say it twice. Well, what was your superstition, Casper Schmeichel? It was never being anywhere near Alex Bruce before a game. Last out the tunnel with a bucket. Yes, but one theme I did try and go down, as you might have noticed from the first couple of... Uh, Can you imagine advising kids? You've got to eat properly, kids. And then chuck it all up again before getting any exercise. Let's leave the That's the way to be healthy. Leave the bulimia alone, right. What I was going to say was, we I tried to sort of direct the questions about the expectation of playing for Leeds because it's it's been a key feature of, of us either performing or underperforming in the last few years that players haven't been able to deal with, you know, the the pressure of wearing the white shirt. And it was interesting just to see what their mindset was. And he seemed fine with it. Like there was no pressure that he, you know, he was feeling unduly. It comes from a pressure family though. I mean, you, you must have grown up around, I, I don't speak its name, the theatre of wet dreams and seen what goes with uh, with turning out for that horrible, um, hateful um, so-called PLC. So, you know, he's he's got the background that should be able to cope with um, with the big games. And he's obviously got his method of just being sick all the time that <laughs> sees him through. Uh, we also went on to speak to Billy Painter, and this is how this one went. Right, we're talking to Billy Painter. So, Billy, what do you need to do to force yourself into this Leeds United side then? Kill uh, Luciano, is that a start? No, no, no. I've just got to buy me time. Uh, the team's been you know, getting results. Uh, players are playing well. So I've just got to, uh, you know, buy me time and just uh, wait for the opportunity. And is it a classic case of when that first goal comes, you know, the full gate should hopefully open for you? Yeah, the old saying is, like, you know, you're waiting for the bus and then once uh, one comes, two come, uh, you know, they will come and I just can't wait for it. We spoke to Alex just then, uh, Alex Bruce, and he was just saying that, you know, a team takes time to gel. Is that the case, that the team's getting stronger as the season goes on? Yeah, I think we've got a good squad. Gaffer's had to use that over the uh, Christmas period. But um, I say, like myself and other players who've been on the bench, you just, just have to wait, wait the time. I know it's frustrating, but uh, I think it's just happy that the team's doing well. And uh, you think your time's going to come then? There'll be a moment. There will be a moment. Playoff yeah. final, maybe. Yeah, it would, it would be nice. It's a good time, and that wouldn't it be. How do you think um, the team will cope with uh, the playoffs, given our leads have seen a little bit, a bit flaky in the last few few occasions? We've, you know, we've been to Wembley and Cardiff and whatnot. Yeah, I know that like, in the past they've had uh, a bad record, Harry. But. Um, I reckon with the squad, the players that we've got, we can turn, any, uh, turn anyone over on the day. And do you have a message for the fans as well about uh, your role in the team? What would you say to the fans? Uh, obviously, keep keep coming in your numbers. Like Home and away, they've been brilliant for us. And uh, hopefully I'll get my goal for them soon. So that was Billy Painter. Have you um, heard, have you um, ever heard, um, have you ever heard um, a more um, Scouse fella in your life? <laughs> you know, that bus is going to come. The bus, you just got to put your faith... The bus will come. <laughs> um, Imagine at the, old, at the bus stop hassling old ladies. Oh, I don't think this one's coming. Past. No, you've got to believe. <laughs> I've got to confess. And if the bus did come, he'd miss it. <laughs> <laughs> I've got to confess that with all the other interviews, I did um, edit all the erms out that we got from the likes of Johnny House and Alex Bruce. There'd be nothing left if you'd done like that. <laughs> yeah, but I had to leave him in just to demonstrate just how scouse Billy Painter actually is. Fantastic. Does Carla Lane write his interview? Anyway. <laughs> and finally, I guess then it's it's time to play the the, the big one, the, the one that we were all waiting for, that we, we, we hope to get. If you recall the conversation on Podcast 24, that's the last one that we did. We spoke at some length about Mel Sterling's autobiography. Valentine's Day, wasn't it? Yes, obviously, the love pod. Um, if you haven't heard it yet, go back to Podcast 24. About Start about 32 minutes in and have a listen to the story about Mel Stillen's hotel room in Ireland. It's like one of those turn-a-page books when you go, ding, <laughs> turn the page now. Well, I thought, obviously, with so many questions to ask Simon Grayson, where better to start than ask him 
about this story. And this is the interview that followed. Simon, the big question on everybody's lips. In Mel Stern's autobiography, you were lurking behind the curtains, apparently, with Mike Whitlow uh, in a hotel room in Ireland. Is that true? Actually, stuff like that. <laughs> and that was the end of the interview. <laughs> Probably the end of all future interviews yeah. as well. <laughs> <laughs> I, was there a, a, a chuckle in his eyes? Was there a little uh, a, no, there was, an there amused was, twinkle? He, did, was he st- didn't even look at him. Steel, <laughs> steel in his eyes. I didn't look at him in the face in case I turned to stone. What did you do next? Did you ask a follow-up question or...? I attempted to, but he, was, he got bungled off somewhere else to the table where they were doing the signings and stuff. So. It's worth mentioning as well that Dan tried to ask him a, a question about watching people have sex in a hotel room <laughs> while he was surrounded by children. <laughs> um, I mean, he, he couldn't have exactly given a graphic description of what was going on. <laughs> I, was, I was kind of expecting him just to chuckle and to brush it off and say, I, I can't talk about that. Anyway, ask, ask me about our defence. Uh, but he didn't, he just... He just walked off. The awkward questions like our defence, you mean? If you'd have asked him about that, following up, he might have just gone, uh, anyway, what was that about the curtain? (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, that's probably the end of my journalism career with uh, anything involving Simon Grayson. But you know, never mind. It was really good though to see so many people turn out, as as has been reported. You know, the the club estimated uh, 5,000 people at Sainsbury's at the White Rose Centre, so... Bigger than turnout for football games in some leagues, isn't it? It is, yes, and loads and loads of kids there, future support, so let's hope the club can convert these into, you know, lifetime fans. Worth mentioning as well that the uh, the Leeds United default setting of forming a big queue happened as well, because I, when I arrived there was a, a massive queue all the way around, snaking around the outside of Sainsbury's, and I just walked in and then there was loads of people inside anyway and there was nobody stopping you. So people just very <laughs> politely got into a queue, which was nice. Which was great, what was great as well was... Uh, there was a lady at the very front of the queue when I first walked in, um, and because I was dressed perhaps casually, not necessarily like a journalist, and she had a go at me for pushing in, said, the back of the queue's round that way. Thrust the wacker my... one. I, so I didn't is know. that going to be the end of this story? No, I, I, <laughs> I thrust, thrust my dictaphone towards her face and went, I'm here recording. But in the ensuing chaos, she was one of the first to barge other people, including children out of the way, to get to Johnny House, and so... Well, egg, egg on your face, lady. Not if you got to Johnny first. <laughs> but yeah, we were she just... sounds like a winner. We were saying at the time that it just shows what a big club we actually are, despite the fact we've been <coughs> grovelling around in the lower leagues for a while. We still do have a massive fan base, and you know, kids still do buy into it. Probably been brainwashed, thankfully, but um, you know, it's good to see them there all the same. Let's look now then at the games that are coming up in the next fortnight. Uh, so, with our promotion challenge wobbling, shall we say? Not quite come off the rails or anything like that yet. Uh, we've got Doncaster at home, followed by the trip to Preston, followed by Ipswich at home. So first of these games, Doncaster, nil-nil at their place. That was the Friday night game on Sky. They've been struggling of late with injuries, but they're coming back a bit now. We always seem to meet teams on, on the up, don't we? Apart from Scunthorpe. I ain't answering questions like that. <laughs> <laughs> and apart from Preston, who were doing badly when we played them the first time and badly ever since, apart from that one bloody result against us. <laughs> but um, yeah, they're... I mean, they've done all right. I want the Doncaster to, to be even surviving at this level. They're doing quite well, given the size of the club. They've got no players left at the moment, have they? No. The chairman was arguing that they should have had games postponed the other week because they didn't have enough players. And Norwich told them to uh, knock off and then only managed a 1-1 draw. I thought it was quite amusing. <laughs> Speaking of their chairman, is he, is he not the one person that you can really dislike about Doncaster? Because they're a fairly inoffensive club. A you know, little plastic new ground, town full of Leeds fans... <laughs> You know, the, the two clubs have always had a link, you know, via Snoddins and Bremner and, and so on, so... In the notes here, I just put, it would nice to wipe the shit-eating grin off John, off John Ryan's face. He just he just irritates me with his constant bloody going on about how good he is and how the, the place was wonderful football. Just 
piss off. He definitely referred to himself in the third person. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. A Cheshire living Doncaster chairman. Yeah, it's, it's, this is the thing that annoys me about him, is that in some ways built, I think maybe in his own mind, leads to be some sort of rival on a par with Doncaster, possibly going back to the playoff final and the and the, the promotion race that year. And we're nothing of the sort, are we? we you know, obviously we're in the same division, that, that that's the, the, the key point, but in terms of size of club and so on. It's one of the worst things about the time in League One, letting rubbish like Doncaster get above us. It should never have happened. <laughs> not, not that we're being arrogant about Leeds United, you understand. It's no, no arrogance, just facts. Um, so, just a pecking order. Again, it, we, you know, we, we said we've got winnable games coming up. This is this is a winnable game, but you know, in our, our form in Yorkshire Derby is not fantastic. Is there a danger that this this negative momentum might continue? Yes. If we don't win this, we won't get in the playoffs. But on the upside, um, I think the good thing about Doncaster is that it's a Saturday um, kickoff. It's a Saturday yeah. kickoff, <laughs> and whereas they are in, they are good in midfield, like Swansea, they don't have Scott Sinclair like Swansea. They've got Billy Sharp, but I think. If he's fit, we'll have an easier time keeping Doncaster's strikers quiet than we did Swansea's strikers quiet. And I would hope that we can actually cope with John Oster. And of course, there's always the possibility of us actually bringing players in at some point um, between now and then. Mm. 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 Cynicism. <laughs> you still got Amity Fire's number. <laughs> Give him a ring. Get Michael Stewart back. On to the Tuesday. Tuesday the 8th of March. The Ives Tuesday, March. Tuesday, Tuesday. We're going to Preston. They, uh, well, it was all going so well. 4-1 up. What could possibly go wrong from there? If we don't win that, we don't deserve to go up. We certainly don't, <laughs> do we? But they've had a, a sort of mini resurgence under Phil Brown. Tiny resurgence. I think that the one thing to fear, well, not the one thing to fear. One of the many things to fear about Preston is, um, one, the sheep. Two, that we, we were out for revenge over Barnsley and ended up with a bit of a 3 or draw. And now we're out for revenge against Preston. And you wonder if, again, Preston, like revenge may turn out to just be a score draw. And like that. Yeah, we've shown them now. <laughs> if we're lucky. Well, yeah. Phil Brown, though, comfortable under the lights. <laughs> <laughs> He's a very tanned man, isn't he? It's amazing if somebody manages in Hull and Preston that he should be uh, so well sunned. Apparently they have uh, parlours you can go to for that kind of thing now. What kind of thing? <laughs> tanning. No, 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 no. Tanning. Yes, let's be very specific about tanning. All right, then on to the, the Ipswich match, which is, thankfully, it's a Saturday, it's at home. Uh, so we've got every chance of maybe scoring. Draw. Yeah, They beat scoring. us down there, didn't they? They did, but they were riding high in the table at that point, and they were looking like genuine contenders, but then Roy Keane weaved his magic, didn't he? And oh, sent and them screwed it up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, sent them spiralling downwards. Still just pacing around the Republic of Ireland with his dogs angry um, um, Paul Jewell there now in charge not Roy just, Keane no. no well that's what, that's why Roy Keane is just pacing around Ireland with his dogs angry did his dog while, die? Uh, no he didn't there was a myth actually as it turned out was it? Yeah. that's Ken Dodd's dad's dog that died <laughs> um, <laughs> Paul Jewell's just uh, just down there just rooting around <laughs> we've lost Doddy <laughs> this is probably the biggest laugh Ken Dodd's had in years <laughs> But yeah, back on back on it. Paul Jules turned them round. He stopped them losing every game, if that counts. But we should beat Ipswich, confident. Given our ambitions, if we do have ambitions and aspirations of playoffs and promotion and so on, we've got to win two out of these three games. You not reckon? Saying we, not saying we will. If we're going to get back on track and then we're going to have a decent run in, it needs to happen. The thing about the Swansea one, wasn't it our first defeat in 20 games? So all hasn't been terrible, but we haven't won for what feels like an age. Um, and it would be nice to uh, to stick some goals away without conceding a bunch. 
They've not been dull games, have they? Other they have Swansea. Been. We've been exciting. Best value um, in the division. You'd struggle to find a more exciting. You say that with those prices. <laughs> <laughs> Good point. But um, yeah, let's let's get a cl- let's look for a clean sheet from the next three games. That, we'll that get one of those from Paul Jewell. <laughs> <laughs> hey, has there ever been a less demanded sex tape? <laughs> One of the quotes to come out... <laughs> it's not Paris Hill, is it? No. I remember the, the sort of headline was Ram Raided because <laughs> he was Derby manager. And <laughs> one of the quotes was uh, from him when it was, tell me I'm sweating. Oh. Which is, just painting such a hideous picture, it's not, it's not even worth considering. There was also some good photoshopping done of Robbie Savage's head on the blowed out blonde woman. <laughs> it was quite nice. So are we going to stick it to him then? Can really turn, turn him over. Depends how sweaty he's getting. Let's hope we get... The midfield sorted. That's <laughs> don't care about the results actually. Yeah. <laughs> Just the and the defence as well. Out. We can sort them out. The defence improved. Haven't we been saying this for twelve months now? I mean, really, it's tiresome, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. we're boring. So we, we, apo- we apologise to <laughs> you <laughs> listening to this if, you, if you're sick of us hearing and saying this about the midfield. So it's, it's been going on since pretty much we started. Maybe McSheffrey was right. Maybe we should have got Doyler. Maybe that lad on them. Have we sunk that low? Is that how it is now? I mean, Doyle has gone to Sheffield United, and it's not really working <laughs> um, there. There's Mickey he can't Adams. Can't do it by himself. Chap on, I can't remember his name, but somebody on Facebook before we came in suggested that we uh, don't try to sound like a broken record and accidentally points, posted it twice. <laughs> um, but yeah, it we, was Eamon Dalton. Eamon Dalton. Eamon Dalton. Eamon Dalton. Eamon Dalton. Right, okay. But we do need. I mean, the midfield is going to be the thing. Maybe it is just that we're just going to have to suck it up till summer and then we'll sign Savvy and Iniesta and we'll be alright but yeah it does just mean that we'll spend the next two months just moaning about midfielders yeah. get used to it people <laughs> maybe Swansea was just a blip a bit When's, like Preston um, was yeah. a bit like Barnsley was <laughs> when's BJ back is he straight back for Donning it was only two bookings wasn't it so I presume so that'll sort things out if you're going on Saturday look for another Arsenal repeat because if they're the Arsenal of the Championship, I see what no reason be? why Bradley can't score from 30 yards. And, and then, then they'll lose. <laughs> yeah. All right, well, we can't really say much other than let's hope the midfield shows up and therefore the rest of the team, and let's stick to a 4-5-1. Simon, you could have told him all that if you weren't obsessed with Mel Sterling's sex life. <laughs> and upsetting him. And just plain upsetting him. Might leave now, then what will we do? Sorry, it's all, my, it's all my fault, yeah. Why are you leaving, Simon? I'm not answering questions <laughs> like that. Let's not stray into prediction territory. We've tried it last couple of podcasts. No. It doesn't work. No. I don't think anyone predicted two, did the points wise? I did two predictions ago, two points. No, you can't ago. just. <laughs> <laughs> once said that number. That doesn't work. That doesn't count. But um, no, for this, I, I don't. It's impossible to say. It depends whether we bounce back from the previous set of games, doesn't it? Really, whether we, we how we bounce back from this uh, Swansea game. If if history is anything to go by this season, we've always bounced back okay. We we can't make any long term prediction decisions based on future performance. <laughs> There's one thing that Ken has taught us: <laughs> it's not to try and. You know, future future performance can't be counted on for us to make long-term predictions about. It's a very fair point. Right, we want you to get in touch with us. Uh, email us, podcast at thesquareball.net. Facebook us, find us on Twitter as well. So get in touch with us, tell us what you've been up to in your life supporting Leeds United. Um, this is the Any Other Business section, stuff to bring to the table that we might want to just quickly uh, bring to people's attention, shall we say. I think worthy of note is a absolute, well, I don't, I don't know quite what word to use for the Head man. case? Yeah, he's listened to all of our podcasts, apparently, within the last... Uh, About three days, isn't it? <laughs> over the course of more or less a weekend. <laughs> Bearing I mean, in mind... Fair done... play to you, uh, Lee Coward. I mean... We've, we've done 24. That's a whole day you've given over to listening to us do this nonsense. A lot of people surely have, but they've spread it out over two years, so... <laughs> 
It's like discovering a new suite and then eating just loads of them all at once <laughs> without a break. So we kind of we salute you, but we're also a bit scared. Yeah, stop listening. <laughs> <laughs> Rest of you, keep listening. Lee, take a break. Lee also sent us an email in which he referred to Ken Bates as the whitehead gremlin, which I really very much enjoyed. The other thing of, of note is, uh, sorry Lee to place you so close to this, but Carlton Palmer, our former midfield general of the 1990s, pulled over by uh, Dubai police last week for drink driving. Not That's, the best part of the world to be doing it in, I've got to be honest. No, it is one of those things where he was uh, drinking the previous night, but then the next morning he did run a red light. So his argument that it's just the the residue from last night's alcohol, OK, explain running the red light. I mean, I don't want to be judge and jury already based on the flimsy evidence, but um, he's out on bail again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, on which note, let's, let's not say much more other than we'll, we'll watch it. Tonight. Let's say that those um, betting adverts that he was in during the World Cup were horrific. That's worth mentioning. All right, we've done that. That's fine. He was a character, wasn't he, old Carlton? Shit footballer, though. I never <laughs> accepted him at Leeds United, ruining Batty's shirt. Actually, I, that's the point. I got into a fight about Carlton Palmer. I'd completely forgotten. One of the few fights I got into at school because I was a slender child. But I, I, I was told by a, a scum-supporting schoolmate that we'd signed Carlton Palmer during morning lessons, and I wasn't having it, and I, I just refused to believe that we would have bought him, and uh, it, we came to blows. Have you heard the phrase of shooting the messenger? <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't shoot him, I'm not Ashley Cole. I, it was just, it was um, schoolyard fest. was a fest. school fan. <laughs> just an excuse. So really, me and Carlton Palmer, we were never fated to get along. The kid who you slapped, what was his name or her name? Can't remember now. I don't remember. Scum fan. <laughs> Should have apologised. No, it's a scum fan, it's fine. I'm not apologising. I was right. We shouldn't have signed him. It's, it's a fair point. Uh, issue 7 of the magazine is now on sale. It will be on sale versus Doncaster, but we're down to the last couple of hundred mags, so audios now to avoid disappointment, as they say in the adverts. A couple of ways you can buy that magazine. You can do it in person. Come and meet Oddie and Michael down at Ellen Road at the home game, selling the magazine. They sell at the external corners of Ellen Road. The other way you can buy it is in either paper or digital format via the website. That's squareball.net. Also on the squareball.net is the new look blog. It's all been redesigned. We've added the blog in January. It's doing very well. So please go on there, have a read. Tell us what you think. Click the ads. <laughs> <laughs> and if you were so inclined to click the ads, then that would be fine by us too, because it helps fund this... The, crazy little venture if you're looking for a shed it's the website for you yes so the blog's got loads of original writing on it and it's got all the best bits of the historical magazine you know from in the past we're now compiling all the all the square balls we're looking to do get them online and whatnot so have 20, a look nosy around on there 20 years worth of glory indeed it's all at the squareball.net so let's wind this one up then we'll be back in a couple of weeks that'll be the week beginning the 14th of March don't forget to drop us a line in the meantime either via email the address podcast at the squareball.net do it via facebook and twitter you can also find our contact details on the website and you can leave comments on the blog as well so goodbye from me goodbye from michael normanton goodbye and goodbye from moscow white goodbye and goodbye from Oddie. goodbye we'll speak to you again in a couple of weeks we'll see you then bye-bye the square ball podcast supported by the gelded end.com i actually stuff like that Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.